We can have you back on, Corey. This no. was a lot of fun, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, never again. again. Hey, Rich. Paul, it's good to see you and hear you. It's good to see you, too. So, look, we have somebody on the the podcast today who is someone we've we've both known and interacted with many times over the years. Kara Swisher? (laughs) So, anyway, but no, no, Corey Sika (laughs) is here with us today. Corey. Corey, it's great to see you. It's great to have you on the Post Light Podcast. Corey is a noted cultural commentator and, and writer, and our head of marketing saw that he was writing about the metaverse and said, does anyone know him? And I, was, I had to admit it. And I begged him to come on the podcast, and he said yes. Corey, hi. Rich, Paul, it's nice to see you guys. Oh, my it's God. How are you doing? How's your pandemic? Well, you know, it's mostly been great. Don't you love when people say, um, oh, it's been amazing? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, just up and down. Yeah, I like anybody. <laughs> Nothing parents want to hear more than that. Oh, it's been great. Child-free and loving it. <laughs> I will say, I tend not to be a super jealous person, but child-free pandemic actually kind of gets me in a place where it's like, mm. I think the way that most people think about billionaires, I think about child-free pandemic. I mean, that was That the must test. have been nice. To be honest, like, I thought about it every day. I was like, I would wake up basically every day, you I know, around just, 10 or 11. I need to take advantage of what's happened to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, every day I'd be like, wow, you know, I'm really glad I chose not to have children. And I feel for my friends who did, and I I'm sorry that you guys had a much terrible, more terrible time than us. No, sure. come on now, because you've always been very, very clear that people who have children are probably making a mistake. There is no part of you that's you must have been waking up every day and going, "There you go, I told you." Now you must pay the price. I mean, someone has to have children. I'm glad y'all are doing it. I personally beg people. Not Do to. we really need to have children? Because what, so they can populate the metaverse while um, sea level rises? Like, is that what we're doing? All right. So, I mean, I, let me set it up a little bit here. I do think we should talk about the metaverse. We can't deny the conversation. I'm going to ask you to define it. The tech world is incredibly good at taking a word and making the rest of the world feel left behind. And you're already behind. So let's catch everyone up. What is the metaverse, Corey? Here's what they mean when they talk about the metaverse. What they mean is that you will be able to perform currency transactions seamlessly and perhaps sleepily at the drop of a hat in any given environment. So that everything is a banking operation or a social media publishing operation in your world. I've really been looking for that. I'm so glad they're finally doing that. Don't you want to have a walk-in Zelle? Just think about all the different transactions we could have had so far in this conversation. You know, other than that, it's just a giant conference room where you have no bottom half and you live in a headset. That's how you're defining it. That's interesting that you're defining it in a commerce sense. What's the second part? So, I mean, the rest of it is that the marketing talk is that we want to bring people closer together. And so we can seamlessly go visit each other in our virtual mind spaces or something. What people don't know is I really like your hoodie, and I actually was able to just buy it off of Zoom by clicking on you. It was wonderful. I would happily monetize. Like, if this podcast were in the metaverse, I would happily wear clothing where people could swipe and buy. And Mm. if I got a cut, I'd be thrilled. That's the future of podcasting right there. Sounds kind of shitty, but kind of good. I don't know. It's all one big store? I mean, do you think I'm being too cynical to think that, like, the metaverse is PayPal? What do you think it is, Richard? My understanding is that we have to use technology as 
intermediaries today to connect. I must pick up my phone to connect with Paul. I must open my laptop and have a video call with Corey to connect with Corey. I can message Corey. The ground rules, the protocols between humans today have strong intermediaries, i.e. our devices and the platforms we use. And that the metaverse is going to make them fall into the background. And so when I want to be with Paul in his living room tonight, I can just be there. There is no check your phone, Paul. I'm just there. I have to talk to my wife. I can't just come into my living room. We have to talk about Facebook, and I have the question of whether this is all just a sleight of hand because they're just a shithole, but we'll get to that in a second. But he said, I'll use an example he gave. Your friend, you know, your best friend who now lives in Europe will go to a concert with you in the metaverse, and you will be there together. But I, mean, I mean, like, Rich, I totally see your point because, I mean, listen, so the, during the pandemic, every Friday night, me and my best friend, Sara, we got on Zoom, and then we would start a movie on our separate TVs in our houses together and watch this thing together, which was, like, You'd so stupid, yeah, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it was super yeah. dumb. But we did this every Friday night for a year and a half, and now we go to movies in person because I'm ready to get COVID. But this was, like, a prime example of what, the metaverse is for right like human connection two friends consuming a cultural product together like right that's so what you guys want. could be wearing your goggles watching that movie and sort of virtually in the theater and i could be dressed as a slutty mermaid that's okay exciting. so more of your sense senses are are overtaken such that it feels like it feels more real it's not in a, in a screen it's not in your laptop it's not a square in zoom you're stepping further and further into sort of hacking reality so that the person is with you and near you. Corey, it's interesting that you went right to commerce when I asked you to define it. I just think like Facebook is an advertising platform. And I do think that the big pitch they made, which I feel like people haven't sort of talked about enough, is that they made a pitch to people being famous on the Facebook platform, which they're worried mm -hmm. about. That people are mm -hmm. famous on TikTok, people are famous on YouTube, and people are not famous. And they are famous on Instagram, but they're not famous on Facebook. And I think that's kind of the pressure Zuckerberg feels. Certainly it's the pressure YouTube feels, and they're paying TikTok creators to like post to YouTube. I mean, like it's just like, it's mayhem out there, and they're just desperate for a fame ecoverse. So the way to solve this is to create virtual spaces and make everyone wear a goggle? They keep de-emphasizing the goggles. Have you noticed that too? Where yeah, they're literally like, oh, right. there's no hardware. We're Explain that. I don't know. Brett, Paul, you saw this, right? I think there's a part of them that's like, cool, 3D wizardry. Let's show a little of that because at least we have something to show. But then really the way they think is big abstract systems overlapping. The first thing to say too, if you're listening to this at home and you're you know, someone who's like, what do I need to do about the metaverse? Like none of this is real yet. This is all just like rich people mm. running their mouths. It's a lot yeah. of R&D right now. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing that really threw me. Facebook goes out there and they're like, we're going to do, we're going to double down on all this like augmented reality, everything, you know, play cards on a space station or buy Rachel's sweater, but actually from Rachel who's standing right in front of you or just whatever the hell it is. But they didn't say, hey, you're going to get to go into influencers' houses and, and hang out with them. And, and they didn't say like, how about an amazing 3D family get together right from inside of the core Facebook experience, et cetera, et cetera. And so what that made me think, there's like three options. One would be they don't really see themselves as a big software platform. They just see themselves as an amalgamation of stuff. We'll have, you know, just like we have WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, we'll have Metaverse over on the side. And it doesn't really matter that those other things exist. Maybe they'll link up. You'll be able to log in all four at once, but like that won't matter. And then, or is it 
really that they've decided this will be the radical new thing and the old things don't matter? Or is it just a plaything and they needed a good story to tell because all their other stories are so bad? I mean, the number one thing I keep hearing about this, too, is like there's just nowhere to look at like tentacle porn. Porn, historically, it's sort of unspoken and there's not a lot of essays about it, but historically porn was spearheaded a lot of technical innovation. No, there's a lot of essays about it, but it's not anymore. I I don't read those, Paul. You read those (laughs) kinds of essays. It's not these things to do. I read those essays for the articles. (laughs) Great, porn brought us video streaming, right? Exactly. That used to be the case, but now I think social media, social media never had a pornographic application. I think humans connecting and tormenting each other or ruining the entire political apparatus of the world is actually more compelling than pornography. Ah. Let me ask. Kids are a fascinating lens, right? Rough because, transition, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. My my kids saw like a telephone on a wall in a movie. And they're like, what mm-hmm. the hell is going on? What is that? It looks like a banana. And they're talking into it and it has no screen. And then they see phone booths in movies. And you know what you end up realizing is like as things change – a lot of the assumptions that we make, they're not even built in for them. They're new, right? And so that kid that's born 15 years from now, kid is born, then they're seven, and they're watching someone look at a phone to do something. Are they like, what are you doing? Are they doing that? Yes. You yeah, think, I think so? Right. I think that's Oh right. my goodness. I mean, is that real? The one thing that kind of blew my mind working with Taylor Lorenz, the tech reporter, was she was like, put the implant in my skull now. Like, it's coming. Yeah, she's good with it. She, but, you know, that sort of made me reassess my relationship to the internet, too. I was like, I was like, oh, I have to understand, like, what's coming. And what's coming is a device-free future. And if, like, we talk about the metaverse, like, that's what Zuckerberg wants to talk about. Maybe just because he hates Apple and, you know, Samsung or whatever. But, like. No, I do buy the, I buy the glasses. I don't buy the idea that we're going to be in a helmet and cut off from reality, but I totally buy augmented reality once things settle down. Implants, implants, put it in my head. Augmented reality, like walking by storefront and there's just stuff on the glass that's just. No, you're thinking ads, like of course there's that. I just sort of like, you're walking around, you see your friend's been there, messages pop up, you're able to interact. Think about Google Maps, the Google Maps experience when it's able to like sort of be passively in front of your face. How great that could be. Paul misses Foursquare. Aw. Yeah. I never really used it because I didn't have that much of a life. But I'll, <laughs> tell you, I'll tell you a funny Google Maps story. My son, who is, uh, this is a couple these. years ago, six years old, I showed him Google Maps and I showed him Street View. And I said, we're going to leave the house and now go down to the corner. And my wife had left the house. And I'm going down the street and I turn on Fifth Avenue here in Brooklyn. And he goes, catch up to mommy. Right, right, right. He didn't he distinguish tell. that that Google Street View was not that moment right then and there. He thought, See, that's okay. A, that's a funny story, but that can be our shared reality really soon for everyone, not just five-year-olds. Doesn't that sound great? Look, here's I want another thought. It's important that Samsung not lead the way here, okay? Because every time you give them an android base operating system, <laughs> they put this glossy layer or like, Asus. If Asus leads the way, it's important that it not be them. I'm just going to say that out loud. Hard agree. It'll just be Apple. If Apple decides it's real, Facebook can't make consumer products that that bazillions of people want to own and put on their face. Like Until it's Apple, I won't take it seriously. But isn't it going to be just like Facebook wrapped in a Venmo shell with like a coin desk narrative interface? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be terrible. Maybe. I mean, it's, I mean, now you're sort of hinting at the giant 
super apps that they have in China that are just mm. like, here's your whole life. Like that's the dream, right? And we haven't been able to achieve that dream in America because there's just too much antitrust, not enough government. It's interesting <laughs> you bring up Apple, Paul. Nobody is better positioned than Apple to insinuate itself more into your life because their model is hardware, not ads. And they're able to take this high-minded position around privacy and how like they've shut down entire businesses by turning down the ad pipe on your iPhone. They are trusted in a a very powerful way that I don't think anyone else is. So Um, we have to assume that Apple glasses exist today, right? Like they have to. So Facebook is all in here. Put it on your face. We're going. Get on the bus with me, Mark Zuckerberg. Why is Apple just watching? It's very actually, if you look at Apple's roadmap over time, I'll give you an example. Rotating a video. For the longest time, technically, to rotate an image, a still image, it wasn't that technically complicated. Everything did it. You could rotate an image. So if I took a picture of someone the long way and I needed to rotate it around, I could do it. But rotating a video requires reprocessing the video because it's more Mm. complex and it's a moving image. There were countless apps on iOS that did that effectively. Probably... I'm going to go ahead and say millions of dollars in app revenue was going towards apps that just rotated a video. Mm -hmm. Apple sits and watches. They just watch and watch and watch. And then all of a sudden, it feels two years later, and they're like, now it is time. And then next thing you know, the same button that was rotating your image rotates the video. And that is the end of all of those apps, right? And Apple consistently does this. It's like the finance industry, you know, it's like the the Ray Dalio, like, here's our report on Eastern Europe. And then they move $80 billion the next week, and that's done. Now they're done with Eastern Europe, on to the next Mm. thing. They hold a premium to the experience, right? Innovation is always a little kludgy in the beginning. It's never smooth, right? And Apple just hangs back and then executes the way they want to execute. That's a big driver for them. Also, why bother? They make oh, yeah, exactly. gobs of money. So. The only company in this realm that Americans love more than Apple is Amazon. Americans love Amazon. Love yeah. Amazon. And as someone who just had like Whole Foods got delivered to my house today, mm-hmm. like an jerk like i'm just saying like the real metaverse is like me sneezing at my like playstation and groceries coming to my home i mean this is a great point because if you're in the tech world you'd think amazon was being run through the mud but their approval rating is like over 90 percent and then you overlap that with journalism look i mean i i have to occasionally take my friends aside and be like you realize that what we believe is like less than one percent of america like like nobody The other 99.7% of Americans are like, send me, I love that the box has a smile on it. They just can't believe how great that is. Also, it's, I mean, to get, you know, a bunch of bananas and a Wi-Fi router in the same bag is a special thing in two hours. It's true. But you also, Richard, I'll say this about you. I'll I'll out you. You love ordering from Newegg. Oh, Newegg is a beautiful thing. That's a separate topic. I'll, if there's a Newegg metaverse, I'm in the Newegg metaverse. I will be there and stay there forever. Newegg is, Newegg.com is sponsoring this podcast. Are there any marketing emails that you just keep getting because they help you connect with who you are? Oh, you know, that's a Whoa. really good question. Well, for me, I, it's it, Micro Center is a big one for Rich. It's Newegg. Like, I love when they're, they're just like drone deals. And I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah, I was getting that way with Best Buy a little bit, weirdly, which mm. I don't know why. But they were literally like, they're they're so aggressive. They're always like, don't you need a drone and a camera to go with it? I'm <laughs> they're, like, yeah. They're, they're out of control. <laughs> Their checkout experience is like, hey, no, I'm going to put like 200 batteries in that cart. And you're like, no, no, don't do that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, Bluetooth speaker. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Best Buy is the thirstiest big box store. They seem panic. Like the emails are actually desperate. I kind of love it. They're afraid. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's great. Right. I want to ask you both a question. When you wake up in the morning, do you pick up your phone? Of course I do. I, because usually what's happened is my, my beloved co-founder has sent like 28 messages <laughs> by 7.30. Is he like that? Still? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, God, yeah. Still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, been yeah, so yeah, many yeah. years you two have been at this together. Dude, <laughs> therapy, like... You know me. I, I would dither, right? I'd be like, well, I wonder what I do. What will I do today? What are interesting colors? Rich provides the focus that I, I might not otherwise have. I, I would have to find that focus on my... That's a very kind way to frame it, Paul. Thank you. Rich is your payment layer. I mean, I don't message you that much. Any, I, it's a good point, Corey. I used to message a lot more. We used to be very paranoid state. This was a self-funded startup. <laughs> now we're not there anymore. So, but do you still pick up the phone in the morning? I mean, to say I pick it up would imply that I've put it down while I'm asleep, which is incorrect. <laughs> Just in your We're, mouth. It's in my hand. I, mean, yeah, I go to sleep reading my Kindle app and then sometimes checking Reddit. I wake up and Oof. I start looking at things. It's actually. What are your Reddit faves? I have a pretty intense Reddit life that's actually very private. No. Um, but a lot of it's like video games. There's some hobbyist stuff on there that I won't. Discuss. Yeah, no, no, that's totally fine. So, that, not that like, it's dirty. It's just that it's no, no. It's just personal. like your all your personal nerdy stuff and your little communities have gone there. Like, like the yeah, yeah. You know, I get it. We want I get this. It. I get what I'm getting at here is we're picking up the phone the minute we wake up. This is what we want. Like we can sit here like old men and say, oh, the way I used to do it, I used to go get the newspaper from the newsstand. Zuckerberg is trying to like you know yeah. Facebook or whatever the hell it's called is trying to trying to package this all up into some new framework, and it's. Here's what's going to happen is it'll happen and they'll make the 3D graphics will be better and they'll they'll figure out the part where you pick something up in the metaverse and throw it at your and, a, you know, a virtual dog chases it and all that. And then Corey will still be on Reddit 20 years from now. Yes, because you age with your platforms. That's what we saw with Snap yeah. and TikTok, right? It's but like what is Reddit at that point? Well, Reddit is just Usenet. Yeah. And then whatever. No, no, but is it something else? Does it evolve? Does it users don't care? Users no, don't care. Users don't care, but I will say like watching the sort of anti-work people try and organize the Black Friday walkout. Dude, Richard, strike, have you seen anti-work? They are trying to organize like a general strike, like and on Reddit, essentially, which is sort of a first in Reddit's long history. What well, and like Twitter hell? can't do this actually as a platform. Facebook could could organize a general strike, but it would basically like be organized by the CIA. So wait, what is this? What's happening here? It's a mass labor movement on Reddit and all that that entails. And they have splintered off into a general strike group, which is a lot of people planning, making plans, and we'll see. Is this kind of satire? Is it a joke or is it oh, real? Oh no, this is real. Well, but I mean, it's it's satire in the same way that everything is meta and everything is comedy and everything is satire, but they're totally serious about the general strike. Oh yeah. The general strike, like all work, were all workers? Yeah. Let me shift gears hmm. for a second. Let's imagine they figure out how to reverse the aging process and it's 6.30 in the morning, I just woke up. What's the first thing I'm doing 20 years from, 30 years from now? Ooh. Am I- staring up at the ceiling and pointing at a virtual croissant and then it shows up at my door. 
Are you poor? Or are you poor or not? Because you're going to have a really different experience. <laughs> yeah, like, he's right. That's if like you're a poor, you only have a f- iPhone 28. <laughs> Let's assume I'm a middle class. I can I, I get vacations. I, I go on vacation. I'm doing fine. Every single platform ideation session assumes there is one platform and one way of communicating in the future. First of all, everything will be smarter. So let's say you you are going to affiliate yourself with your Kindle. I go to bed with my Kindle, but your Kindle will now have every single thing that your iPhone does. Like it will do it in like on it a, all on collapses a two, on a two dollar yeah. chip, right? Like the iPhone headphones, the new ones. What are they called? The AirPods. <laughs> wow. Dad. I'm Android <laughs> ecosystem. Thank you. The AirPods have as much power as the first iPhone did in terms mm. of computing power, right? Like they're just yeah. rocket It's just ships. getting smaller and smaller. Yep, yep, yep. You're going to go to the movies. There's still going to be movie theaters. There's still going to be TV, big mm. screens on your wall and you're going to watch Netflix 20 or 30 mm. years from now, right? Like, mm. so all of those experiences will still be there. It's just that Everything that we assume like is very Apple or very very Android or very like phone or very metaverse is going to be kind of disposably interchangeable between all of those platforms. So it's all built in. Why wouldn't it be? It'll be in your fan, your electric fan that you buy at the drugstore because your other one broke and your AC is having trouble. Like your infrastructure will be failing, but your ability to get a, a microchip in anything will be extremely right. high. Corey, you're waking up 30 years from now. Ugh. What's happening? In your bedroom, in your kitchen, in your bathroom, experientially. Are you just walking around with your phone? No, I won't have a device. But my biggest fear is, so the conversation that our friends who work in marketing and brand departments are having is about experiential life display, right? So like the only thing that any company is making is for is places for people to go and take pictures of themselves. Mm. That science is going to evolve frighteningly in ways that I'm not going to personally like because people like me are going to have to go places and like our little drones will follow us around and show us off there constantly. And I think that I'm going to have to wake up and grind. Think about that chocolate place on near you. The chocolate water fountain. Thing. Okay. Yeah. It has a water fountain. That place. It's an, it's a legitimate chocolate place. We go in, you get your thing, you're happy. They have a little hot chocolate. We split it. It's a nice little ritual. Two guys having a good day out in the the city. And it's an absolutely ridiculous place. There's no way that wasn't designed with the idea that people will be Instagramming themselves. Like it's two or three years old. You're right. right. So I I never made that connection, but you're totally right. What's going to be fascinating to me, not in Mm -hmm. a like fun, this is interesting way, but like when Wendy's decides it needs to be Instagrammable. It's getting there. I think that is elder people no offense. I think that you no too, offense. even though you have younger children and young people in your lives and wonderful young employees, I, you may not have any idea just how much people post. Like they yeah, post a lot. And when there's no disconnect between the device and the publish button, like it's the posting is going to go from constant to absolutely constant. Technology, you know, I, I've said this in the past in, in earlier podcasts, the, the evolution of technology is just the elimination of steps. Yes. Great. Up until, but up until the point it becomes unconsumable. Nobody wants twenty-four hour live streaming unless you're really putting on a show. It's got a quick drop off on the, you know, like Addison Ray will have a million people watching her walk the dog, but like, and the rest of us will have five. You're yeah, a loser. Right. Nope, I have zero people. Okay, well, hold on. Let's make some predictions about different media platforms that everybody's all excited about. Let's start with a big one. What's going to happen? To podcast 
Fast forward how many years? 10 years? 20 years? What are we doing? I'm going to say podcasts will be replaced by a new format called podcasts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got me. I don't know why that got me so good. I don't know. That's really terrible. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> Is this any different than what Howard Stern's been doing for 10 years or 20 no. years? <laughs> 30 no. years? 40 years. 40 maybe. years. I mean, the podcast has become a living room where you stroll in, right? Like, but the idea of broadcasting out as if you're listening to the radio, I think, is is kind of seeding to more of a. There are three fr- people just chatting, and you're welcome to stroll in, and mm-hmm. and you can chime in. Or it's welcome, welcome to Murderville, right? Like it's like you know, and then they, they beheaded him and stuffed an owl on his throat. What what is this? <laughs> just like I mean, what are the kinds of podcasters like? The, you know, sex crime, an investigation into a terrible sex crime. And then there is dudes talking. That's this one. <laughs> it's just dudes I'd talking. like to think that this particular podcast is a cut above dudes talking. I think you're talking about Joe Rogan, who's just a big meathead. But no, you know. that, that one's really popular, though. There's like a really big industry that replaced magazines, which is like Red Table Talk, which is like yeah. sort of just like mass celebrity culture event that Oprah is the only one still trying to compete with in any fashion on TV and the rest is all just gone online. And, and that kind of engineered celebrity encounter situation will only become more powerful and virulent. You're right. And I think that there's also the like podcasts that work really well on Netflix that are really kind of high end, like Song mm. Exploder and mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. kind of like, we're going to go deep, the sort of Radio Lab legacy. But I think the other spectrum is like, we're just, you know, slumped over the bar for three hours just hearing people meander. I think people are buying into that too. Like, you know, Rogan is huge, right? And he just is just hanging out for three hours. There's yeah. no like editorial rigor going on here, right? It's just a dude hanging out. Fast forward 10 years, you got Spotify, you got Apple. Am I telling my children get into podcasts? No. No? Okay, so I don't do that. When do we hear the last big podcast? I think it's going to not be, you can say, maybe they'll still be called podcasts. I think there is a convergence of the small group that is a collection of friends that just trust each other and it's safe. And then the other end of the spectrum is mass broadcast out to the masses. And they're drifting towards one another Mm -hmm. such that it's a narrower, it feels like lower overhead. I get a message from Twitter, like, we want to come in? There's two people talking that, that you follow both of them. They're talking to each other right now. You want to stroll in? I'm like, no, but thanks for letting me know. But that doesn't feel like a scheduled, planned broadcast of any kind. It's just two people who decided to hit a button and decided to now create media. Let's put media in quotes for a second here. I feel like it's drifting that way in that direction. I feel like YouTube Live and just this ability to just, if you scroll through Reddit, you see those like every once in a while, they'll just show a dude playing they're a They're desperate. They're desperate. to. Then they're pumping those more and more. They're desperate for the live video stuff on Reddit. It's very interesting. Oh, is that what that's about? Yeah, yeah. It's that's really what that's it's, about. It's a mess. This is embarrassing, but I look at Who Weekly a lot and the way they're doing this. Sure. And what you're saying is true about them too. They went from like a discreet weekly podcast. Now they have a subscriber only extra podcast a week. They have an ongoing events. Facebook group. They have a live events. So like they're becoming metaversical. Oh, mm-hmm. and then like, you know what I mean? Because they, and they're not overextending themselves because they're really, they're really smart and they know what they're doing and their community's really welcoming and, and helps them grow. But that's becoming a more unified place beyond a simple podcast. That formality of a schedule of a time, I mean, binge watching blew up 
the TV guide, right? And now as you as it continues to go, it's no more, I'm looking forward to Tuesday where I can watch the thing. It's kind of ad hoc. It's feeling more, less formal. You don't listen to Who Weekly as much as join Who Weekly. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a little MLM-y in that you become like a, a, a member that gets other members sort of. Not in a gross way, but you're like, it's, no, a, no, no. it's designed to make you want to tell a friend, which is a it's great fun. media property. It acknowledges that evangelism is part of enjoying media. Yes. If I was going to buy any media company in the world, I would buy Who Weekly. Okay, let's well, let's all get together and buy Who Weekly. <laughs> Hold on. Bringing this back, you were formerly a media executive, and you still could be at any moment if you chose to be, but you've gone back to writing. I'm writing right now. I've been writing all day. It's been very painful. Been writing. Also, it's horrible, you know what's crazy right? is, to our point, I'm typing. Like, my input method is, like, from the 1850s. <laughs> this is the thing. So, like... How long is that going to last? You know, I think that timeline's really fuzzy now. I had some really strong opinions about this a couple of years ago, but actually niche objects, niche experiences, things that are valuable, things that are that display a ton of labor and whether that's food or magazine or physical products or tungsten cubes, like all those things are mm-hmm. like they have like a very strong future, I feel like. Like made objects and I would include a print magazine in that, like People get something from them that you actually cannot, at this juncture of the birth of the metaverse, cannot get elsewhere. You can't get what New York Magazine has out of the metaverse. That's actually real. Yeah. Like it's it's hard to articulate because it's like, I guess I could look at pictures of a really cool bungalow in, in the Rockaways anywhere. But there's something about seeing the spread and then they tell you, and like, I'm not in the market for- You know what it yeah. is? We still adore craft. Like we're going to have to wait a year for another season of a thing that just takes a year. And people wait and they will wait and they will keep HBO even though it won't air for another year, right? Rich, I think you're right. I think that's a really good point. What is the Interiors magazine? Oh, World like? of Interiors? Ugh. Talk about that for a sec, because I feel that it's like the perfect explanation of what Rich is saying. And, and I feel this way about New York Review of Books and the London Review of Books and World of Interiors, which is Condé Nast's smallest magazine. I think the subscriber, uh, I think it's 50,000 subscribers. I mean, it, be, it might be smaller. It is entirely an, a magazine about eccentric and usually wealthy people's homes that you have oh, no idea cool. about. Oh, it's so good. And like, you don't, it's never anyone you've ever heard of or knew anything about, but it's just like purely nuts you could possibly engineer some of that online but it's so far we don't really have the platforms for it i think what we're seeing right so it's like something like the new york times which was the great like oh my god will it survive is now a giant platform it's you know it's probably as big as yahoo was in in the year 2000 like it's big and so we think about the times as the paper and you know Grey Lady and all that stuff, but it's, it's actually this giant integrated super media platform. And then I think there's like the niche products that maybe if you're a Conde, the, the theory was always if we bundle the niche, we'll be able to make a big old business. And that that's still there. Like it's, it's not over yet. And it's probably those two patterns forever, right? Like it's Spotify. We're going to buy all the podcasts. We're going to get Gimlet. We're going to put it all together. We're going to make, woof, boy, look at us. Here we go. And then it'll be like, I don't know, Luminary or the smaller networks. And it'll be like, we're really bespoke and you can't get this elsewhere. And and you got to pay a little extra. We're not saying the media is going to die. Well, I I think people still pay top dollar for good media, right? And that's important, I think. And because there's craft inside of that, whether it be a music or or film or a show or whatever. Then again, how many 25-year-olds subscribe to magazines? 
you have better domain knowledge there than I do, but I do know a lot of I know a lot of twenty five year olds that waited and obsessed over Game of Thrones, which took mm-hmm. three years to make ten hours of no, it's of true. Footage, right? They do like, love podcasts. They really do, and, and they love extremely well produced, thoughtfully you know edited podcasts. Like the, so, that is real. Like there's still entertainment is still you know a movie still takes two years to make a good movie, mm-hmm. a really good movie, right? And that. I don't know if that's going to change. Maybe that's me being old and holding on to hope. I don't know. No, but I think there's something similar happening happening in gaming too. Like games are becoming incredibly intensive procedures and also very large and very, very, very beautiful and very lifelike. They're incredible. Yeah. Incredible. They're just yeah, they're struggling so nice. with that. I mean, look, the indie game scene is awesome. I think it's great. But like the AAA games are just, I mean, it's cinema at this point. It really is. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Honestly, I would rather write for Fortnite than the New York Times. Whoa! Yeah, I think it's real. I mean, I love Fortnite. I play Fortnite every day and have for like the last two years. Like, it's great. It's amazing. And honestly, when people talk about the metaverse now, they talk about Fortnite. This is why I, I don't understand. Like, you've got Minecraft, Flight Simulator, Fortnite, I mean, whatever. that is the metaverse, right? It's the start. These are the experiences that you would expect. And then you got this sort of idea that, no, 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 we're going to do it this way with commerce and with sort of, the, I just don't buy it. We're going to layer the other stuff into the ones that work rather than try to like get everybody into Mark Zuckerberg's, you know. I'd rather they shove cover. Bank of America and like Slack and Zoom into Fortnite than the other way around. I think that's right. Do you guys know what VATSIM is? What? No. Why don't I know something? I'm mad. And well, you got to be into Flight Simulator. VATSIM <laughs> is a network of people who actually, you, you, when you get on the network, you have air traffic, oh, people no. who just behave oh, as air no. traffic controllers oh, and you God. talk to them. <sighs> like you need clearance from Chicago's O'Hare before you take off and you have to follow their instructions. If you decide to step into this world, it's essentially air traffic controllers and pilots agreeing to oh this alternative universe where you have to respect flight rules. Okay, there's currently 1,000 people using that. Wait, this is actually a metaverse of air traffic control fiction. That's right. It's a collective <laughs> fiction. So that other people can have more accurate flying experiences. I don't right. and know it's not what just I that. Think. You're talking, it's like Delta 446, you're cleared to land. Having someone say that to me from their mom's basement is just very endearing. I'm sorry. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think that all of these experiences <laughs> are going to happen in their islands like that. It's going to be inside of Flight Simulator. And then your animal and crossing. Then if you want to profit from this, the people who are going to make the most money, I'd rather be, rather than Facebook, I'd rather be like Stripe or Plus. Yes. And be the, the transaction engine that will let you do things and buy objects. The transactional middleman. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I have a question. When you fly across Please. the Atlantic in a flight simulator, is it in real time? You can change the pace of time. Ooh, I want to change the pace of time. But you know what's great also about flight simulator is it'll take actual weather from the Earth at a oh given moment and layer it on. I know, it's a lot. I could see doing this 12 to 18 hours a day. This could happen to me real fast. I actually want to pose this question to both of you because I think you're going to both answer it differently. One of the things that's materializing is that there's this framing of the consumer as sort of this babe in the woods. Everybody's yelling at Facebook. Everybody's talking about what technology is about to do to you as if we're just little by little losing control. Zuckerberg's stare is scary. (laughs) It's just scary. I just, I went and I shut off my Wi-Fi as soon as I finished watching the video. 
What do you tell people? What should we tell people? Is this good? Well, there's two tracks. So for me, the one track is, I mean, once at a major platform, the person there said to me, like, well, you have more data than you ever think. Like, they said, we saw people assembling, you know, at a bridge in Afghanistan and knew things were about to break out. And I was like, oh, that's that's very, this is bad. This is very bad. They should not be carrying their iPhones with them at this point, for sure, now that we know that. Right, but And right. so that part is beyond our control and probably needs to be dealt with in some way that I don't really want to endorse, personally. But, like, the flip side is people who play games on these platforms. And I mean, social games, I mean, uh, creating careers as creators, as like human beings having fun. Like, it's cool. It's like, it's too mm-hmm. closed down, honestly. Like the people, reason people love Reddit and the reason people love flight simulators and the reason is because there's more room to mess around on there. So I just think like most of this is good. The data privacy and the rest of it and the ad trafficking is terrible. And the rest of it's amazing. Like, who doesn't want to live online? I want to spend all my time online. I think just knowing the lines, if we're going to twist, you know, shift to advice. Paul, what are your thoughts here? We've now had the experience of fast forwarding 20 years and seeing and going, wow, we were provincial and we didn't really think it through and we didn't really, you know, and I, I feel that the way that stories get told about this stuff are kind of provincial. They're just like, Brooklyn journalists talking about, you know, who kind of hate capitalism going, oh, no, they did it again. And in reality, you've just got these billions of people feasting on pixels. And the joke I always make and the thing I always try to remember is like everything becomes everything. Like your Kindle becomes your goggles Mm. and your glasses become smart and just like everything will become everything and everything overlaps. And like those giant infrastructural messy things are in our future. It won't look like Facebook. It won't look like Meta. And so how do you prepare people for that? And, you you know, stories and, and un- help them understand the tools. And my thing is always people should know more about the, the protocols and the systems underneath it, and then they can make better decisions. Like if it's going to be a caveat emptor society, then you need to give them the tools that they need to establish their own caveats and figure out where the where the routines are. But you know, that's never going to happen. We live in a world where people have to click okay to every cookie they've ever seen in their lives. And we're and like, that's our solution to informed consent yeah, in this world. It's funny. Corey, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just completely agree with you. I don't <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's very high minded what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm just, I, like, that's the part that sucks. And I, I think the other thing, there's always the fantasy, like we'll make the new decentralized thing and it'll be better this time. And we did that in its blockchain. So Yay. I don't know. This is the tech industry, right? Like it's not, there's not going to be a new one. I'm glad we didn't talk about blockchain at all, but we really should have. Corey Sika, if people wanted to get in touch with you or follow you in some medium or other, how, what would you like them to That do? is such a great question. That's one of the things I ask after I ask people their pronouns now. And I would say the answer to that question is, although will it hold up over time? I would say the answer is Corey.substack.com. C-H-O-I-R-E for people who are are just tuning in. Corey.substack.com. Corey, this was great. It was nice to catch up. It was great to see you guys. I am so obsessed with VatSim now. I don't even know what to do about it. It's wild. Hey, Rich, I'm just going to say it. Hello at postlight.com if anybody That's needs That's good enough, man.